from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., this is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom, and transparency. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Update One. This is your host, Shannon Fisher. Electing the President of the United States is perhaps our greatest civic responsibility, and the media plays one of the most crucial roles in elections to separate fact from fiction and inform voters about their choices of the candidates and the issues at stake. Even in this age of immediate viral news, most information about the candidates is still funneled to the public by way of the press, specifically the mainstream media. Our guest today is presidential candidate Marianne Williamson, who is in the throes of her second quest for the job. While her name and face became quite recognizable during her 2020 run, especially following a presidential debate appearance that made a splash and landed her the most searched candidate in 49 states, four years later, her candidacy for the highest office in the land has gone largely ignored by the media. So we're here to discuss that and to get her perspective on the role of media in politics. Marianne Williamson, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So freedom of the press is a cornerstone of the First Amendment. It isn't just a a right. It is a responsibility. A free and independent media serves as a watchdog. Election observation teams around the world judge the fairness of an election in large part by how it was covered in the media. So there's no more important political race in America than president of the United States. What responsibility do you feel the media has to cover individual presidential campaigns throughout the primary process and beyond? Well, its responsibility is exactly what you just said. And for the reason that you just said, it is a deep responsibility that comes with a profound right. And the way you articulated it was true. Their responsibility is to help separate facts from fiction and to expose voters to their choices. And that is exactly what too much corporate media is failing to do right now and in a a way that I believe is dangerous for our democracy. And the media does have great power to influence the public's perception of a political candidate, as well as the way certain issues are received by voters. And I, I heard you talk about the lack of mainstream media coverage that your campaign is receiving, and it got me thinking about the incredibly unique social and political landscape in which we find ourselves right now. And so with the current presidential race between the Democratic and Republican frontrunners being more than a bit of a circus, uh, getting the attention of the political press for any other candidacy is certainly a profound challenge. Yours is often a footnote or an aside. So what kind of coverage do you wish that you were getting that you aren't receiving? Fair coverage. My poll numbers are higher than most of the Republicans who not only won that debate stage the other night, but are getting regular appearances on the Sunday news shows, MSNBC, CNN. That's what I want. I want fair coverage. And I also want fair coverage not only in terms of my exposure, which I believe it is the press's responsibility to make available to people. At a time like this in American history, we should not be hiding or suppressing information that has to do with people's options or where to go in this country. We have, in the minds of many, including myself, the threat of fascism at the door. Uh, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson said, the only safe repository for power in this country is in the hands of the people. 
That is core to American democracy. The power is to be in the hands of the people, not the media, not the political parties, not a political class or political media industrial complex. And yet that's what's happened. And that political media industrial complex is actually supplanting the founders at this point as the main determiner of how this thing is supposed to unfold. This is not this is not right. You've said that you you are not just running this race to raise awareness of issues that you feel need highlighting. You are running to win and you're going up against an incumbent for the 2024 Democratic nomination. The last time an incumbent president was not renominated by his party was in 1884. Um, coverage for any candidate can be a challenge, but when Biden's nomination is assumed to be a fait accompli, what makes you decide to put your body, heart, and soul into this campaign that is certainly challenging? Well, everything that you just described is the horse race, and that's the problem with the media today. It's all a conversation about the horse race rather than the things we should actually be discussing. We should be discussing the fact that the United States has the highest poverty rate of any advanced democracy. We should be discussing the fact that a majority of Americans live with chronic economic stress paycheck to paycheck. We should be talking about the fact that one in four Americans live with medical debt, that half of our seniors are living on $25,000 and less a year. The fact that one third of our workforce lives on less than $15 an hour and half of them cannot find a place to live. The fact that so many of our young people are saying that given their own economic conditions, their own lack of economic hope, their own despair, lack of housing and the condition of the planet, the environment, they don't even think that it would be responsible to bring a child into the world. That is why I'm not giving greater coverage, because I'm discussing what really matters, and I'm not playing the game of just the freaking horse race. That's what the media wants. The media Now, by the way, there's some nice people in the media. There's some nice reporters and nice fair journalists. Please don't get me wrong, and I assume you're one of them. This is not personal about, about any of that. What sure. this is is about the fact that a few major companies own their, their media conglomerates. They're huge corporate entities themselves. And that the problem with this country at this time is corporate greed. That's the problem with the country. But the problem is that, that those forces that represent this huge overreach of corporate power, undue financial influence on our government, has turned our government into a system of legalized bribery. That's why it's this political media industrial complex. It is, it is protecting a particular establishment way of things. Now, for the, la for the top 20% of earners in this country, that system basically works. But that 20% in this country are like living on an island and it is surrounded by a huge sea of economic despair. And that is why they say I'm an unserious candidate, because I'm so serious and because they know it. Many well, of the people who would say from the DNC, from the political media that's, you know, chopping their wood and carrying, you know, and carrying their water, that they have to do this, that they are, you know, because basically CNN and MSNBC are to the Democrats what Fox is to the Republicans. They're their PR arms pretending to be something else. Well, their argument is that they have to do this because the fascists are at the door. And I would agree, there are elements of the GOP, modern GOP, which absolutely represent a fascist threat. However, their argument is, therefore, we can't let anyone other than Biden 
really get exposure here. But my point is that I'm running because fascists are at the door. I do not believe that the president is the strongest candidate to put up against the fascists. I believe what Franklin Roosevelt said. Franklin Roosevelt said that we would not have to worry about a fascist takeover in this country as long as democracy delivered on its promises. The reason fascism ever even got so close to the door, they should never have even gotten this close. The reason they did was in large part because democracy is not delivering on its promises. We should have, as they do in every other advanced democracy, universal health care. We should have, as they do in every other advanced democracy, tuition-free college and tech school, paid family leave, guaranteed living wage. And the Democratic Party used to be unequivocally and unabashedly dedicated to advocacy for the working average working person of the United States. I'm actually talking about the traditional values of the Democratic Party. And to be honest, that's why so many people don't want my voice in the game. They don't want my voice in the game because they know that what I'm talking about is poll after poll shows the majority of Republicans as well as Democrats actually agree with the agenda I'm talking about. And that's why they don't want to take any chance that my voice is heard in a wide range of life. It, it does seem that there's a bit of a confirmation bias in that people have discounted your candidacy. You are highly focused on issues, on the specifics of the issues, clearly well-versed on every aspect of all of the policy proposals that you are putting forth. But a, a, a lot of times with media, they go for the heart and they go for images and stories that are going to strike an emotional chord with, with viewers, listeners, readers. Um, and so in the, in the days of, of of everything is clickbait, media makes money by sensationalism, uh, journalists and editors can kind of choose the story, uh, how to cover it and how to shape the tone based on what is going to draw the most attention. How do you feel we can get the focus back on policy wonkiness uh, and get people away from the political maneuvering? Well, it's exactly what you said. And that's why the media is um, in to the extent to which they're doing exactly what you just described, and in fact they are, that there's a total lack of journalistic ethics here. The caricatures created about a, a serious candidate, and yes, thank you, I'm a serious woman, and I'm a serious candidate. I have lived my life. I have uh, been at the bedside of scores of dying patients. I've held hands of people dying of AIDS, grieved with families been with people in the darkest times of their lives. I've been a serious activist, serious nonprofit organizer, trivializing my life, trivializing my career, opining about my books by people who have never, clearly never read my books, taking one line of a book and out of context and using it to diminish, peripheralize, mock, deride. And the latest thing is to listen to accusers who could not in a court of law say anything that they are saying because they would have been sworn to tell the truth. Anonymous tweets and using it to draw a picture of me that's um, not even a decent person. They know what they're doing. It's character assassination, and they're very serious about what they're doing, and uh, it's, it's, it's wrong. I also want to point out that in our Constitution, it says that in order to be president, you have to be 35 years or older, you have to have been born here, and you have to have lived here for 14 years. Now, if the founders had wanted to say, you have to be the member of a 
political class. They didn't want there to be a political class. If they wanted to say you have to have been a governor or you have to have been a lawyer, you have to have been a senator or a congressman, they would And the reason they didn't is because they were leaving it to every generation to determine for itself what they think the skill set is most, that's most required and most necessary to lead the country at a given time. But that confirmation bias that you described, the media acquiesces to and perpetuates this notion that only those who had been ensconced in the car that drove us into this ditch should possibly be considered qualified to lead us out of it. That's just dangerous for our democracy. And kind of in that vein, touching on the on the horse race, um, a Quinnipiac poll last month had you at eight percent and you polled as high as double digits. And that that same poll also said that 71 percent of voters said that they didn't know enough about you to make an informed decision as to whether they viewed your candidacy favorably. And so um, being the the only at this point real challenger to Joe Biden, um, at what point what is the threshold at which you believe you should move from what is considered a a fringe or an unserious candidate um, to someone who is getting mainstream attention? Because it it, it almost seems as if your candidacy is waiting in the wings. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think, you you, you know, everything you've said actually is so names it. The issue is, given that I'm so blackballed, given that I'm blackballed from CNN, blackballed from, uh, from MSNBC, clearly, given the way I'm blocked by the DNC in ways that your listeners would not even believe, given the fact that even in independent media, whether it's uh, Elon Musk doing Twitter spaces for other candidates saying he'd do them for uh, any presidential candidate, but he won't for me. Given that the Lex Friedman's of the world, that Joe Rogan, given how many people will not platform, even Amy Goodman, who would have Cornell, it's kind of like shocking. Given how little exposure I'm given, I think I'm pulling really well. So, so when you absolutely, absolutely. So when you say you're blackballed, what do you mean that they won't they won't have you on yeah. as a commentator yeah, yeah, or that they pitch. don't cover? Yeah. Your, yeah. OK, no, they won't cover. They, they pitch. We pitch. The press secretary pitches. Listen, like I said before, uh, the Republicans, those who are polling much less than me, they're on your Sunday news show. They are on regularly on all of them, uh, not only on Fox. Uh, which has given me a shot, but of course they're giving me, they have me on because they don't have a problem with messing with Joe Biden. I mean, we all know what their game is, you know, and I appreciate that they do have me when they have me. Um, right. The, the, when you ask, what does it look like? We pitch a program and we get no response in a way that is shocking, given that I am a declared candidate. Uh, when, my, when the race is discussed on mainstream television news, they talk about it like I don't, they really, like I don't exist. You know, it's kind of interesting because after, right after I announced, there was a young woman pundit. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't someone I knew. And I don't know if it was CNN or MSNBC. And she was clearly missed that I was running. And she made a comment. She said, well, I think what we should do is just ignore her. We should just pretend she's not there. And I thought to myself at the time, oh, good luck with that lady. Right. That's exactly what they've done. They just pretend I'm not there. And, and it's kind of interesting because the attacks, the smears, the hit pieces, it's like what you, it's just what they do. 
But at this point, the invisibilization and the erasure is just as cool. And I also, I've had a 40-year career, and I never until politics felt a gender issue. I never felt that anything was harder for me because I was a woman. Um, but boy, in politics, it's just ridiculous. If, if, if Ron DeSantis, someone leaves his campaign, he's shaking it up, man, because he's a good leader and he's putting together the best campaign. If that happens to me, oh, everything's in disarray. She's so hard to work for. It's really, I, I do feel that the, um, and of course, Hillary Clinton went through this, clearly. Um, that if you're a woman running the, the standard, the conversations, that you just, they wouldn't talk about a man that way. They wouldn't, it's just, it's quite something. It, it, yeah, the, the, the sexism in politics really is mind boggling. Um, and, and it, 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 sh- it shows, it shows no sign of diminishing in any way. That's um, right. And I, 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 you are so correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, well, and, it seems kind of to me that it's getting worse rather than better. Well, I, I think because, perhaps that yeah, is I'm true so in society. I think per- perhaps that's true in society as well. I think Strangely. that's really true. You currently don't hold political office, so you don't really have anything to lose by being a primary challenger to a sitting president. There are, you know, there are no current legislators who are running because kind of political norms are established in deferring to a sitting president. And so in the position that you are currently in, do you feel that the fact that he is an incumbent has anything to do with the fact that you are not getting coverage in deference to Joe Biden? Well, on one hand, yes, of course. But let's look at that. That's not the way the Constitution is written. The Constitution is written that there is an election of the president every four years. I go back to what you said at the beginning. The responsibility of the, of the media is to separate facts from fiction and to expose people to their choices. That, that, and, and their choices have to do with the fact that there's an election every four years. This has to do with the fact that the DNC has decided, like it's 100 years ago, a bunch of men sitting around a table with cigars, deciding who the nominee was going to be. Now, traditionally, the political party stood in the background. The voters decided. The voters decide who the nominee should be, and then the, the um, political party comes forward. Ever since 2016, we've seen that that's not the way it works, um, having to do with Bernie Sanders, having to do with myself. And um, what I would say about those who are being good boys and girls, not running against the president, and it's not just because he's an incumbent. I don't think they have any deep respect for that. I think they're chomping at the bit, chomping at the bit. You can tell that Gavin Newsom is and others. I think their, their deference is based on fear of the DNC. So they are afraid to challenge the DNC. Now, as you said, I don't have any, you know, they can't, what are they going to do? They're going to primary me. They're going to, they're going to take away my chairmanship. They're going to, you know, kick me out of line. I don't have any of that going on, which is why I am doing this. But this is, would be my, my question really to the American people. If someone is going to, and I think in the next few, few weeks, I think we would all agree there is a chance that this might happen. Uh, there is enough conversation going on now, the majority of people not wanting the president to run, et cetera. There is enough mainstream scuttlebutt 
that it's, uh, I, I think probably people think it's 50-50, that maybe the president will decide not to run, in which case we will be bombarded with those who have been standing in line. My question to you about that is, if somebody doesn't have the courage to take on the DNC, what makes you think they're going to have the courage to take on the insurance companies? the uh, courage to take on the pharmaceutical companies or courage to take on big oil or the courage to take on the military industrial complex. That's how the system works. Once people are in it, they get sucked in to playing the game. And um, I would say about a lot of those people who, you know, someone might say about my own candidacy. Well, I would take you more seriously if you were sitting congressperson or if you were sitting governor. Well, my question to that is, have you noticed they're not here? And why is it you think they're not here? Because they're part of the establishment that just perpetuates the system as it is. And that system is not working for the majority of American people. And that's why I'm running. That freedom that you get is somewhat of a double-edged sword because you're not in that establishment fold where you would be receiving coverage. Um, and mm-hmm. so, so move, moving forward, realistically and fairly, what would you like to see happen as far as media coverage of your campaign? Fair. That's what I said to you before. Just fair. What is fair? What is fair? fair? Well, fair means uh, stop with this ridiculous caricature of me. Stop opining about my books when you haven't even read them. Stop opining about my career when you've never heard me. Any of my classes or courses, you don't know anything about my career. Stop mischaracterizing it. And let me have the same exposure that other candidates who are polling, as I said before, in some cases, even less than me. Give me you, a chance. How do you think you get well, there? You know, and they let me last time. They were, con- they were, they were um, satisfied to just make fun of me last time. But I, I had a CNN town hall last time. I had a, um, uh, I, I was on uh, MSNBC so quite a bit, the CNN. They gave me exposure last time. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a declared candidate for president. Now, so this is the deal. If I can get high enough in the polls, then they'll have to have me on. Mm -hmm. But it's a catch-22 because you have to have the exposure in order to uh, rise in the polls. You know, every morning I wake up, I say a little prayer in my heart. Am I supposed to quit today or am I supposed to be in? And uh, (laughs) I'm in. Well, you've got to listen to your heart. Always do what your heart tells you because it's never wrong. I couldn't agree more. Marianne Williamson, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your perspective on this. It is obviously an incredibly unique one. And thanks for joining us. Thank you, Shannon. I appreciate you having me on. For Update One, this is Shannon Fisher. See you next time. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club, the world's leading professional organization for journalists, and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.